I had what I call my lightning moment and bam, it just hit me. Cried my eyes out for about 15 minutes. I realized my real driver was nothing to do with money. What it was really about was my dad and how my dad hadn't achieved certain things he was capable of. Any flavor of, of negative emotion is simply a signal to think or act different. All of a sudden, I was allowing myself to go and do the thing that I wanted to do. And this is the beauty of, of, of living in, in, in alignment with your values is that you can take on extreme challenge, right? That's where you can break through walls. You can run through stuff. And it's like your zone of genius, if you like. People burn out because they're not spending enough time doing the stuff that they love doing. Use your North Star as an opportunity to make a difference to other people so it not only benefits them, but their family, their friends, their community, society, humanity, and the universe. Welcome to De-Stress Your Business, the podcast where we show you how to get incredible results in your business without constant stress. I'm Alexis Kingsbury, a serial entrepreneur and founder at Air Manual. Now, burnout, stress, and dissatisfaction are all too common in the lives of business leaders. We work hard chasing what we think is success, only to sometimes find ourselves unfulfilled or even on the verge of a breakdown. And I often wonder, what if the problem lies in our understanding of success and happiness? So I'm excited to speak with my friend, Will Polston, who's an award-winning coach who has devoted his life to helping people redefine success and live fulfilling lives. Now, Will's got an intriguing story of transformation that we'll go into, uh, but his insights have changed the lives of thousands of people around the globe. He's the best-selling author of his book, North Star Thinking, Master Your Mindset and Live a Life That You Love. Uh, and in this episode, we're going to delve deep into what causes burnout and how to align your life and business around what truly matters. Will, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. What, what an introduction. <laughs> Thank you now, let, let's let's start with that journey, because your journey started uh, with the belief that money equals happiness. What mm. was the the tipping point that led you to to kind of question this deeply ingrained belief? Yeah. So um, I guess it, it makes sense to kind of for maybe people listening to, to explain even how I got to that point, because sure. they, then it kind of puts everything into context. But, um, yeah, I, I, I had a very loving childhood. Um, I, I I had a loving childhood, an amazing family, parents still to, to get, still together today. But one of the things that I remember growing up was how much my dad hated his job. So he would get up at five o'clock in the morning, get home at seven, eight o'clock at night, and he would bring the stress and the frustration of work home from him. So all those things you were just talking about, the burnout, the stress, the dissatisfaction, but to the point where it was so much... I could physically feel it. And I don't know anybody, if anybody listening can, 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 can resonate with this, where you can physically feel the tension that somebody's got. Like you can kind of cut the tension. Um, anyway, one day I come home from school and my dad had quit his job to set up a business with one of my uncles. Now, um, I've got two very wealthy uncles. One's a billionaire. The other one's a multimillionaire. And dad always used to say they just got lucky. That was his excuse. You know, they just got lucky. They just got lucky. And even then, uh, uh, kind of 10 years old, I remember thinking it can't just be down to luck. Surely it's got to be something else, um, which is one of the things I guess really that first planted the seed for me to want to understand what makes people different in, in even they can have sort of very similar situations, but achieve very different outcomes, which I later came on to realize that was down to mindset. But um, that was the case. 
Um, and after a while, my dad fell into what we would call a, a depression. You know, slept in a separate room to my mum, curtains shut all day, didn't leave the house, all the stereotypical stuff. And um, that was because the business that he was going to set up with my uncle's never got started. You know, that never happened. But he hated his job, so he was like a rock in a hard place. Well, I haven't got something to go forward to. I don't want to go back to what I didn't like doing, so where do I go? And I witnessed this, but after a while, I started to resent my dad because I was like, "This Uncle Mark, he's a billionaire, he's really happy. Uncle Steve, he's a multimillionaire, he'd, he's really happy. Dad, when he worked in London, all right, he was stressed and he, but he made money. Now he's not working, he's not making money. Life's hard, life's different to how I knew it. Mum was going out and working multiple jobs to keep a roof over her head, all this stuff. And that was where I first realized that money equaled happiness, or I believed that money equaled happiness. Mm. And I become the, the like, like a lot of entrepreneurs, the, 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 the kid at school buying and selling and ducking and diving and doing whatever I could. But what, what I stumbled across was personal development about 18 years old. And the more personal development I did, the more money I made. So I was like, this personal development stuff's great. It's like a, it's like a, a way of printing more money. And then in 20, well, 10 years ago, this year, I had what I call my lightning moment, and bam, it just hit me. Cried my eyes out for about 15 minutes because in that moment, I realized my real driver was nothing to do with money. Mm. It had never been about money. What it was really about was my dad and how my dad hadn't achieved certain things he was capable of and the impact that had on him and my mum and me and my family and a whole host of other people. And I then vowed in that moment, I don't want anyone else to go through the suffering that he went through and we went through as a result of them not achieving their full potential. So yeah, that 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 was the moment, but then then obviously the backstory to it as well. Yeah, I love that. And and I think that's that story is so poignant, I think, for so many reasons. Um, including I think for for a lot of people, they do get to a certain point in their life where they start reflecting on in like strongly held beliefs or milestones or goals that they have, or you know, uh essentially North Stars, which we'll get onto that they realize that actually that's not come from them. That's not come from a strong sense that mm. they've got. It's come from a parental imprint or a traumatic experience or whatever. And that realization of, oh, actually, this doesn't give me meaning. This isn't what my life is all about. And, and I mm. think, unfortunately, often doesn't result in this amazing epiphany where they go oh my god now i see what i can do instead it results in the opposite you know it's we've all heard mm. the stories of um, gold medal winning olympians who have spent their entire life training you know 4 a.m every single day and every moment their life's been consumed by it and when they hit that big thing they hit get that gold medal and you think oh brilliant congratulations how fantastic you finally achieve your life's purpose and yet it's empty and it's hollow and it doesn't feel important and and like it was worth it. And I think that's super painful, right? Like, And I think we've all had elements of that. Um, you know, I, I, even, even my son <laughs> recently uh, playing computer game, like achieved this final thing, beating the, he the final boss and kind of afterwards said, Daddy, I just feel empty. And if he's experiencing that at age nine, which is incredibly insightful and useful, but like, how do we, how do we go over that? So um, I know that you've basically made it your mission to help people like unlock their full potential and, and live the, that happy, more fulfilling life. And a big part of that is establishing that, that North star realizing what actually matters. What would you say is like, what's the first step that someone can take towards realizing their North star? 
so it, it's it's really interesting that, that you mentioned about like the the setting the goals piece, right? Because mm-hmm. you you read any form of personal development or or book or course or whatever, and the first thing they say is set these goals, set these goals, and 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 I was doing that you know and I was setting these goals and I was achieving those goals and feeling exactly what you felt so I I call it when then syndrome you know Mm. when I achieve this then I'll be okay when I achieve that then I'll be all right when I when this happens then I'll be complete you know whatever whatever that is but the reality is it comes and then it kind of is that it um and what one day I was was just thinking I, I have got big ambitious goals I don't I don't doubt that there's some really quite out there stuff that I want to do but one day I was thinking of, of this story. It's quite a famous story. You've probably heard of it. It involves a baby born in a stable a couple of thousand years ago. And there were three men supposedly yeah. wise all carrying presents. And um, they 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 followed this North Star and they achieved their goal of finding the baby. But they never went to the North Star, or at least in the story, they never went to the North Star. And that's what really got me thinking. I was like, wow, this famous story that pretty much every person on the planet knows and I'm not religious, just to be really clear. So I'm I'm not religious, but 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 every every person kind of knows of this story. And I thought, wow, yet how many of us focus our attention on the outcome? You know. So I I thought the beauty of this process is what we can do is we can focus on the process and detach from the outcome. So we detach from the outcome, we focus on the process. And if every single day we're working towards this mission, I I talk about having a mission in life that's the equivalent of trying to empty the sea with a spoon, you accept you're never going to achieve it. You accept that it's, it's just impossible to achieve. Well, then there's no disappointment that you haven't achieved it. Then there's no anti-climax when you get there. Like you said, all of the professional athletes and the what the, the guys that, that that spend their life honing on this goal to then think, right now what? And there's there's a number of different reasons which we can get into as to why that happens. But um, yeah, that's kind of my my thought process um, is is having this mission, taking strides towards it, still having goals, but you the, the goals become what I call a, a trajectory, so a North Star trajectory. So you still have your 20-year, your 10-year, your 5-year, your 3-year, your 1-year. But when you've got that North Star, if you can picture it um, like a, a, a imagine an A4 piece of paper, you've got the North Star at the top, you've got now at the bottom, but then you just draw a line up, you know, you can still have your 20-year, your 10-year, but they're all aligned now because all of them are congruent with this North Star mission that you've got. Love it. And I think in the in the book you refer to it needs to be a goal that's more like emptying the ocean with a with a spoon. Um yeah. because it's it's gotta be big enough that you, which which sounds counterintuitive, right? When we're talking about goals and all these sorts of things. It sounds counterintuitive to like be, yeah, you're gonna set a goal that you fundamentally believe very confidently that even over the entire course of your life you will not be able to tick off which mm-hmm. kind of i love how that kind of flies in the face of a lot of uh, goal setting exercise and so on but i think as you say it's not that you don't then still set goals it's just that they're rungs on the ladder rather than an end point and i think that's mm-hmm. the problem is when we reach the end of a journey that's where we start to see the pain um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I was uh, recently at an event with uh, a load of uh, SaaS business owners, so software as a service business owners, uh, the tech industry that, that, that I'm in. And it was interesting talking to some of the earlier stage business owners where you talk about what are their goals? What are they doing? And often they're saying, oh, yeah, I'm working crazy hours and doing all of this. And 
you know, with my de-stressing business, <laughs> I'm looking at it going, it doesn't have to be like this. But they've accepted that that's what life looks like for this period. And so you say, well, why? And for, that, for, for some of them, it was, well, once I get to, so the, you know, uh, when then, you know, when I get to uh, this particular level, then I can sell and then I can retire or I can have more freedom or I can do the things I want to do. And of course, what's interesting is firstly, when you dive into what are the things that you actually want to do, you realize they could be doing them now. Um, like spend time with family and this sort of thing, which actually arguably is going to be tough to, tougher to do 15 years from now when the kids are grown up and they don't want to talk to you anymore. Um, but also when I spoke to other business owners who had gone through that journey and had sold their businesses after 13 years and made significant seven figure sums, guess what they want to do next? Start again, right? Because mm. it's, it's like, actually, it was the journey that was fun. It was the finding the the product market fit and doing all those things. And so I love the fact that you set that. Actually, it's that that bigger North Star. Um, how would you say, in your experience, how do people tap into that? Because I think for a lot of people, like it's one thing for us to say, oh, yeah, set something big that you want to achieve, but no, you can't, but sets the direction and also we've got this whole side of actually a lot of what you think might be your goal, actually how much of that, that is being set from what you, you know, what others think or what you think others, <laughs> what, you know, yeah. others um, perspective um, on, on success and so on. So what, what's been your experience of when you work with your clients? Like, so how do you help them get clear on that? It's a, it's a great question. And I think that so many of us have been, we've, we've heard the term, I want to, I, I need to find my purpose. Yeah. I need yeah. to go out and find it as if it's going to be hidden under a rock somewhere. Right. But I, I don't believe in finding a purpose. I don't think anybody finds their purpose. I think everybody creates it. And that this is where for me, there's the blend between science and art, because for me, the art is the creativity element of it, but the science is, well, how can you just replicate it? And there's, the, the the process of being able to find that out and get clear on that is it, it, frankly there's a few different ways right so um one of them is by starting by just thinking what really really simply what do you want right what do you want and getting clear on what that looks like is uh, a stage a part of the process that's helpful because once we've got all that out and we've acknowledged that then we can sort of do the the layers the next iterations if you like so in software terms it's like right we've got our mvp right and how are we going to continue to to build on from this so that that's kind of the, the first piece but what what it almost always comes down to is an experience that somebody's had at some point in their life that they perceive to be a negative experience that they don't want other people to go through mm. In, in the same way. So one of the exercises I do with people is I'll literally get them to plot out on a, on a, on a, uh, on a, like a, uh, a graph, you've got Y axis and X axis and plot out their perceived highs and lows. So I don't know everything from winning their five meter swimming badge to being bullied at school, to get their first partner, to getting married, to you name it, right? Selling the business, losing the business, you name it. And, and it gives us a, a bit of an indication. So that's one of the ways because Every lowest low is directly correlated to people's highest highs. And if you have had a low and you haven't had the high from it yet, then the high is still on the way, right? So that's that's one of the ways that we do it. But one of the concepts that I really, really love is the Ikigai. So what one of the, the, the fascinations that I've got is like what I call the outliers, you know, who are the people that go and do stuff that's far beyond what others are doing? And 
um, one of those areas is living longer, right? So I, I plan with, I said, I've got some crazy goals. One of my goals is to live to 150, right? And that's not because I'm deluded and I'm crazy, albeit I, I suppose I, I can be a bit of those things sometimes. Um, it's because I've just been learning more and more about life longevity, the fact that aging has now been proved to be a disease. It's not just something we accept. And I think, let, let, let's face it, if you're talking about in business, most of the disruptive people that have really truly been disrupted, it's not the people that just label themselves disruptive, they have challenged the status quo they have done the things that other people said were impossible and um and and anyway so the 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 reason why this ikigai is relevant to living longer is because it was born off of an island off japan where called okinawa where people live to they've got more centurions and so more people that live to over a uh, hundred years old than anywhere else on the planet and an uh, uh, an ikigai is essentially for a, a, a cross-section of four key concepts so what do you love? What are you good at? What does the world need? So I perceive that as what problem are you solving? Um, and how can you make, make money from it? All right. So the cross section of those four elements is an indication of your guy, which is almost always someone's North Star as well. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's almost and I say almost because there are some exceptions. But by, by looking at those four questions, just those four questions alone can be really, really powerful. Love that. I absolutely love that. I think and getting clear on that is just so monumentally powerful for people, I think, in terms of feeling that fulfillment and, and particularly as we've talked about setting it as a North Star rather than a, a five year goal or something, I think means that you can always check yourself against that and to what extent are you enjoying stuff and you can update it, right? Like if you find that actually you're thinking, I'm not feeling that fulfilled, you can kind of go back to it and go, Well, have you now that you've done loads of, let's say, uh you know, I enjoy speaking, speaking on the stage, for example. Now, if I find that actually I'm kind of like not feeling that fulfilled and I look through it and I said, oh, yeah, speaking on the stage. And I go, actually, now that I've done so much of it, maybe I don't like it anymore. And you can kind of review that and, and change it. And I think that's that's really, really uh, powerful to, to kind of keep that. Um, uh, yeah, to keep that that vision in a, in a way that's still engaging for, for a lot of business leaders, though, as they as they. Sorry, go on, Will. You're going I, to I was that. just going to say, because I, I think it's a really important addition. So you, you, you're absolutely right. People will have certain things that they perceive they enjoy, but we're going to get onto value shortly, I'm sure. But a, 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 a value is something that somebody perceives to be a priority, right? And things change over time, you know, just just on, in age alone, you know, the things that were a, a real priority for you when you were in your teens, a difference when you're 20s, 20s, 30s, and so on. So sometimes it may well be that you absolutely love doing keynotes, but if you perceive yourself to have ticked that box at some stage, you know, because you've done all of the big gigs, you've done all the ones you want to do, and now something else is a higher value of yours, it's a higher priority in your life, that just moves down the value hierarchy, right? So it's not even so much that it's, it's not always we go, yeah, but I used to love doing that. Sometimes it's okay. You know, it's okay to not love those things anymore because your values have changed. And I think that's important because otherwise people can get caught in a trap where they're just reliving yesteryear over and over again without evolving. Yeah, I love that because I think that also makes it clear that in fact, you should expect it to evolve, which means that the requirement of what you're setting in terms of your vision doesn't have to stay static for the rest of your life, which takes the um, pressure off and as a result, the perhaps some of the obstacles to actually setting it for now, because otherwise the mm -hmm. temptation is to go, well, you know, I quite enjoy this now, but 
will I do that? Will I enjoy that in 10 years? I don't know. Therefore, I'm not going to put it in my North Star because I'm not sure. Whereas I think, as you say, when you take a bit more of a um, uh, more flexible approach to it and an and appreciation that it will be iterative and it's, it'll change over time, I think it makes it a lot easier to say, well, this is what it looks like now. Okay, now go. <laughs> and then yeah. and then review that. And that's, um, that's you, like, for, for, even you take connection, for example, right? Somebody mm-hmm. might say, right, well, I really value connection. Yeah, well, Valuing connection when you're in your teens might be hanging out with your mates. Same same thing, same feeling that you get from it, but the means in which you're doing it is different. Whereas when you're in your 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 forties, it might be spending time with your kids. You know, so you, it's still the same outcome, but you're just doing it in a slightly different way. Yeah, love that. That's fantastic. And uh, you mentioned values. I want to dive into values now because I think that often, like in in your book, you talk about you need your North Star and you need your values. And values is something I've talked about previously on the podcast where I've found it incredibly useful in my businesses to set out what our core values are and um, and make sure that those uh, sort of the common thread that thread thread through how we work and our processes and and so on that's been really effective. For you, how do you define values when you're you're thinking about a person and, and what helps guide them and live a fulfilling life? Yeah, the great, great question. The a, a value in the context of, and it's actually not in just the context of individually, but albeit they can apply, be applied slightly differently. Um, you can use the word priority interchangeably with value. Okay. Right. So if you think of the when you set your company values, right, you can call them company priorities. These are our company priorities. This is what we're. This is how we operate. This is what we do. This is kind of the filter that we run everything through. And it's the same in life. Now, what's fascinating is that every single one of us have got a fingerprint that's completely unique to us. Right. Completely unique to us. There's nobody on the planet that's got the same fingerprint. Nobody has the same hierarchy of values as you. Nobody, not a single person on the planet. And what what was really insightful for me across all of the different learnings that I've done over the years, because you hear values all the time come up, right? But when, when I was able to distill them and create a distinction between the different types, that was where it, I really got it. So I, I talk about means values and um, end values, right? So I'll explain end values first. End values are fairly simple. End values are end towards values and end away values, right? So they're things you're moving towards or things you're moving away from. It's really, really simple, right? So there's things that you will prioritize moving away from and there's things you will prioritize moving toward, moving towards. So pain and pleasure is another way of labeling them, right? Mm-hmm. But but pain and pleasure, whilst most people think that they're our drivers, they are um, the, 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 the drivers that are born out of the, the oldest part of our brain, the amygdala. So that also known as the reptilian brain, right? So that, that that's what the majority of animals and stuff generally they they are relying on their their amygdala, their pain and pleasure sensors to decide whether they do something. However, we as human beings we have something called the prefrontal cortex, which is our ability to think, uh, mm-hmm. essentially, and that prefrontal cortex gives us the ability to think and have perspective. And it's the perspective that is what enables us to have our means value. So a means values for me is anything that you do that you associate meaning with it, hence means values. And so my means values, the things that I do that really fill me up are self-mastering, building businesses, creating relationships and building wealth. Now, if you look at everything that I do day to day, 
Like that is evident. You know, we're part of a peer group. You know, self martial there's a lot of personal development that goes on to it, but it's building relationships. Um, it's um, uh, it's helping me build my business. Other people building their business because they're in the same peer group. Financially, I benefit from it because I get referrals indirectly, and so do other people. So it it, it ticks all of my boxes in terms of my highest four means mm. values. And what's really interesting is we get our fulfillment from operating our highest means values and if you take the word fulfillment and break it down fill full mentally fulfillment fill full mentally and that's what we're doing we're using our perspective to perceive that we feel full in in what it is that we're doing nice and uh, yeah and i like the fact that it's it gives you a lens through which you can look at basically any activity any commitment anything that you're signing up for or spending your time on and review both against your values and against your north star to identify is this in the, is this in alignment with it does it fulfill uh, those those values and as a result help you um, yeah help help it act as your north star for whether you want to be doing it or not which I, which I think is great um switching slightly because we've talked a lot about kind of the setting of where you're going and helping you um, be more fulfilled and think about that on the flip side, where are some of the what are some of the signs that business leaders should look for to recognize when they're on a different path, when they're on that path towards burnout or stress? And what, what does that look like? Um, so the, the shortest answer is negative emotions, right? Mm -hmm. Because negative emotions, whether it's stress, overwhelm, frustration, depression, anxiety, unfulfillment or any flavor of, of negative emotion is simply a signal to think or act differently. That's it. That's it. It really is as simple as that. And if you don't like something, change it. And if you can't change it, you change the way you think about it. And, and when we distill it down, like one of the things that I've spent years trying to do is take complex stuff and make it simple. And if, if you were to say most people, right, you're going to get fit and healthy. What do you need to do? You need to move more and eat better, right? It's those two things, albeit there's lots of different ways of doing it. And, and with with kind of people's mental headspace, it's the same. It's thinking act differently. So um, first of all, if, if you're experiencing lots of negative emotions that you don't want, that's the, the signal. Now, you, you mentioned, um, and it kind of does sit, sit in quite nicely. So you mentioned burnout. So when people are living, I'm going to kind of link it back to values because it is still relevant. When, when people are living um, incongruent values, and what I mean by incongruent, incongruent values is they're living other people's values. So they might be values that have been injected into them or projected onto them. It might be parents, it might be old school teachers, it might be society, you know, whatever it will be then that, that they will constantly need motivation. They'll constantly need something external to keep them going. And an indication of whether you're living your values or someone else's is from the language you're using. So if you're using language like I need to, I ought to, I should, I have to, it's an indication you're living somebody else's values. When you're living your own values, you'll use language like I love to, I choose to, I desire to, right? When you're living your values, you're inspired, right? Inspired, in spirit what's another word for spirit energy you're in your energy so people think that they burn out because they're working too hard they don't nobody works out um, nobody works out nobody burns out because they're working too hard people burn out because they're not spending enough time doing the stuff that they love doing and it's that distinction that's really really key and what i mean by love doing is i don't just necessarily mean what they love doing in the business because yeah that could be it but what they love doing might be 
the time with the kids, time doing exercise, whatever it might be. And that that's really important because when we realize that we go, oh, wow, I've just got to do more of what I love. Absolutely. But this is where it comes back to the thing about what's important about values is that when you're in your highest values and you're operating and you're literally living in them, you're doing them, you're going to get optimal growth and optimal growth comes at the border of support and challenge. So if you are really in alignment with your values, that's where you can break through walls. You can run through stuff. And it's like your zone of genius, if you like. People are like, how the hell do you do it? It's because they're really congruent. They're doing what they're doing. But there's other people that will struggle to do what they do because it's it's not it, it's, it feels really difficult for them because it's not their zone of genius because they're trying to live somebody else. It's like going against the grain, if you like. Yeah, I think that that's so insightful. I, I I love that point around that uh, it coming from the border of support and challenge as well. And how, as you say, you don't burn out if you're doing the things that you love and that align with the the values. It's not through the, you know, because we've all seen people who seem to be surviving on small amounts of sleep and all these sorts of things and just doing everything, but they're alive with it. Versus another person working similar hours and yet they seem to be dying with it because uh of of the nature of how they're doing their work and so on which i think is really really interesting and i think as you say it's um it does it requires that fulfillment across all of your values as well i think if you decided that you're going to work really really hard on something you enjoy in your business and so you can imagine that kind of that value that you've got around that particular uh thing that you enjoy doing being filled but actually your other three values, including looking after your, you know, your health or something or, or something relating to uh, spending time with family, if those then aren't being fulfilled, I can I totally imagine how uh, that means that you end up falling short. And for, for some people, I think that that can go very deep and very dark um, without it really being obvious to others. And I think many people and entrepreneurs and business leaders, etc., shy away from discussing perhaps some of the darker aspects of leadership or business ownership or, or, or so on, whether it's severe stress, depression, even suicidal thoughts, those can build. And uh, I think particularly when you end up there, it can feel both very lonely and um, like you're stuck because it's it's difficult to then talk about that with other people. For example, if you're a business leader or a business owner, like talking about that with your team is that's very challenging and and often if you're and your role in your family you know you can't talk, talk, can you talk about it with your kids and all these sorts of things you've had a variety of clients working and and uh, have had people in all sorts of different areas of the spectrum from uh, enlightenment and fulfillment right through to, to some of those dark sides can you perhaps share some in insights on how to confront and manage these potentially taboo subjects effectively and perhaps why it's crucial to do so yeah, um, I think that so it's it's really interesting. So you said about the the border and support and challenge thing. So the optimal growth comes at the border the, the border of support and challenge. And there's 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 two ends of the spectrum where people really challenge. And we'll get onto sort of the 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 extremes of like the suicidal thoughts and things. But most people talk about stress, right? And if you were to say to most people, is stress a good thing or a bad thing? Most people would say it's a bad thing. Right. But there's actually two types of stress. There's distress and eustress. Eustress with you being the Greek word for good. So good stress. As in spe and that's uh, spelling for people Googling. That's EU stress. E e e yeah, e e yeah, yeah, exactly. That. Yeah, eustress. 
Now, again, if you can imagine like a, a, a chart again, so you've got y-axis and x-axis and the, um, the, the, the axis on the bottom is pressure, right? Um, and the, um, the, the axis sort of going along the, the, the sort of the vertical axis is performance. Mm-hmm. Now, when you have, if you can then imagine drawing like a bell curve on this axis, when you, you start in the bottom left-hand corner, you've got low pressure and low um, performance, right? Yeah. So that is basically boredom, right? We've all yeah. experienced it, right? We haven't got any pressure. We're not really under anything. We're performing low. It's, it's not going to be great. That's a form of distress. But then you've got the other end of the spectrum, which is really high pressure, but you also perform low, which is breakdown, right? We've broken down. We can't handle the stress anymore. But then you've got this bell curve where it rises right up in the, the middle, and that's peak performance. That is where you've got the pressure. You're in the zone, so to speak. Um, and if you study flow state and things like that, so um, so f- flow state is said to be said about 4% as a maximum, 4% above your existing skill level. So if you go much further than that, that's mm. when you start breaking down. You can't handle the pressure and so on and so forth. And and that's really important because um, it's that, that, that pressure element is is key now there's a number of different things that we can do to handle the pressure better um which is in the form of self-love um self or some people don't like the term self-love so we use the term self-care i feel it's a bit too i don't want to love myself i don't i don't want to be i don't want to love myself i don't want to be one of those guys um but um but yeah be self-caring which is looking after what i call the basics right so the basics are good quality sleep um good quality nutrition appropriate water appropriate exercise and then doing some form of mindfulness right whatever that might be so i personally i love meditation i think meditation is probably one of the most underrated powerful tools that any business owner could use i feel that any business owner that doesn't meditate is at a disadvantage and when i say meditate doesn't do mindfulness actually i'll take that back that doesn't do mindfulness is at a disadvantage um to those that do, I, I just I strongly believe it. Um, so, so there's looking after the the fundamentals, but then, like you say, you've got the other extremes where people get really, really, really low. And I, I literally have been at the lowest of the lows, and I've worked with dozens of people that that have been too. And what the reason that people have feelings of depression? I just want to be really clear on this. And a lot of the stuff that I say, Alexis, I'm, I'm really mindful of the language I use because mm. words create worlds. And, um. Most people say, oh, I have depression, right? And and what happens is that they get called or they get told by uh, some sort of authority they have depression or some sort of what insert whatever it is. But let's just use depression for the moment. I have depression. I'm clinically depressed, they say. Um, I have it. Well, if I say, okay, cool, you've got it, um, give it to me. They can't, right? Mm. Whereas if, if I said, right, you've got that shirt on, I said, give me, yeah, I have a shirt on. Okay, great, give me your shirt. You can take it off, you can unbutton it, and you can give it to, to somebody. So therefore, people don't have depression. They have feelings of depression. So I'm not saying they're not experiencing something. I'm not saying that, that that's the case, but they have feelings of depression. The beauty of a feeling is you can change it in any moment. And the 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 the, the key here is that when people are feeling feelings of depression, um, and then it gets to the extreme of, of sort of suicidal thoughts, is because people are comparing a fantasy, so how they want something to be, to their current reality. 
And the bigger that gap is, the stronger the feelings of depression. Now, when when you get to sort of the, the real suicidal thoughts, in, in my experience, and I'm working with a bunch of people, it's because they they're, they're struggling to see a path forward. So they don't have the clarity on the path forward that doesn't, or at least if they do see one, it, the, the the path that they're seeing just has massive pain attached to it. So they don't see anything at all. They can't see a way forward or they associate massive pain with that way forward. Um, and, and that's kind of the, the, um, the, the challenge there. So the key in this instance is to be able to gain perspective because like you say, if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, then you change the way you think about it so that you can get a different perspective, a completely different perspective. So in, in NLP terms, we call it reframing. You're going to reframe the situation and, um, and that starts to open doors and open possibilities up um, that then gives people that, that, that um, sort of quote, um light at the end of the tunnel one quote you know it's it that that's kind of what they're looking for i think that's so interesting i think the um for me that really opens up in there around the um the fact that it's the feelings having feelings of depression because i think when i think about the people um in my life and clients and so on that 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 i've come across work with etc what what you've said there just really crystallized for me because what's been um, quite stark for me is what I've seen is that with the situation that that person is in often from an outsider's perspective is not that bad in the grand scheme of things, right? So for example, whether it's someone who's on the verge of losing their business or going through a divorce or whatever, um, often, uh, you know, there, there are more extreme um, negative things that can happen in your life um, that, uh, and yet for those people, they are having very strong feelings of depression. And I get, you know, I take the losing the business. It's like on the face of it, oh, how awful you've spent, you know, 10, 20 years building it and, and so on. But on the flip side, it's like worst thing that happens. You come out the other side, you get a job, you start another business, whatever, like your life can begin again. And I know people who end up happier as a result of coming out the other side with the learning that they've taken uh, from it as well. And see it same for with uh, important relationships and so on. Like often it's, uh, and in fact, I even know examples of people who have been depressed and not about anything in particular, like that feeling of, if anything, they look around and go, I know I should be happy. I know that there's there's nothing that is bad. And particularly when I compare it to other people, I think I'm I'm in relative good position. And yet I feel flat or I, I don't, you know, I, I, I'm not feeling happy about it. And and that can lead to very deep depression, these suicidal thoughts and so on. And so I, I love the way in which you, bring it to life by saying actually you have feelings of depression and those normally come from feeling trapped you know feeling like you're stuck in somewhere you don't want to be and that you're not enjoying but uh, and, and not having clarity on where you're going but also the um or being worried about the pain it's going to take and so you have to either get that clarity and overcome it or change your feelings towards it i think it's so powerful and um, have you got perhaps an example that you can share and obviously with anonymity and, and and so on around perhaps a client or an example that you've come across and and the journey that they perhaps went on from you know wherever they started off in terms of lacking that sense of north star and and where you kind of got to with them yeah i've, I've got dozens i mean there are, there are literally dozens and dozens and dozens but the what in in relation to the extreme so let, let's actually not use um so yeah I, i'll give this an example so I, i've sat down with dozens of people that um 
have it all, quote unquote. Right? They, they've 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 done everything they ever perceived that they ever wanted to do. Um, like they maybe. I mean, I remember having one guy sat in my office. Well, actually, technically, we were sat in the garden, office garden. Um, uh, it 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 sold his business 18 million quid cash gone and bought every single car you can think of was day trading making 10 20 000 pounds a day and and he was like will i am seriously depressed well first thing i explained to him is that well you're having feelings of depression etc etc et but then what we established was that he'd spent 35 years building a construction business where he was every day living his values, right? Mm. He was doing the things that he wanted to be doing. And now he was living somebody else's value. He was living society's perception of what he thought he should do. Yeah, which was make loads of money and then sit around and do nothing and go on holiday. That wasn't what filled him up. So I, I try and condition people to think about the idea of if you can create, a, and I never put this in the book, but I kind of wish I did now, is that um, the if you can kind of have this North star in life that you never want to create a, a, a way of retiring from, you take the word retire, retire, right? Why would you want to get more and more tired every day? I just can't get my head around it. Right. So if, if you can, and how many people do we know that have spent their whole life getting to a particular point? And, and you may, you may know someone personally, or certainly you may know of people where you hear they've worked their whole life. There is a couple and then they retire from work at 65 and then within the space of a couple of years, they die. Or somebody, you've got two partners, they've lived together their whole life, they're 50 years of marriage, one of them dies and then within days, the other one dies. Why? It's because that was their reason for being. Yeah, that was what they did. And most people have gone through life learning something to earn something to then yearn for something, right? So when, when we change that around, okay, right, well, no, we're going to live life every day. We understand that if we're living at co our congruent values, there will be challenges. And this is the beauty of of, of living a, um, uh, in, in, in alignment with your values is that you can take on extreme challenge, right? And keep put and keep moving forward because it's congruent with what you're doing. You can get that energy and you can do that. Um, so that's that's a really important part. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the the, the, it's the the one that's really interesting is the people that exit businesses because they they have this it, again when then syndrome. Well, well I'm going to get I'm going to within X amount of years, I'm going to build this up, sell my business, do this, and then I'm just going to swan around. And then. They're like, I, I feel, and they feel really guilty because they're like, why am I, why am I feeling like this? This is all I ever wanted, but it wasn't. And they, they perceived that was all they ever wanted. But when we get into this, then all of a sudden, I've literally seen people in the space of hours reignite because they've now got this, this new focus of what they're going on. And the, the other thing as well, which when I see it is we, we in life have, all of us have had them at some stage and many of us have already had them uh, are significant emotional events. Mm. So significant emotional events are not just the, uh, the computer didn't work today and uh, we forgot our keys, you know, to come to get, get in the door, but the real significant emotional events that really can really redefine our futures and a significant emotional event almost always is as a, as a result of a loss of identity. Right. Mm. So that loss of identity will be. Um, and what I mean by identity, by the way, is anything you say I am. Right. So if I say I am a business owner and I lose my business, I'm no longer a business owner. Significant emotional event. If I'm married and I get divorced, I am no longer a partner like mar married. So I'm no longer. If you lose a child, you are 
I am a parent. I'm no longer there. So it's it's all it's when you lose that identity is what really creates it. So how do we do that? Well, first of all, it's understanding and creating as many identities as possible and not pigeonholing ourselves into one thing. Um, so you can have the multiple um faces if you like to 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 who you are and not being just one thing because that's where the ego comes in right is that you you are not like you you if i said who are you you say oh, i'm alexis kingsbury right if you say who are you i'm will Poston, but we're more than just our name mm-hmm. yeah that's our name but who are you why well, I, I am kind i am caring i am energized i am inspired i am giving i am driven i am ambitious that's who i am will Poston's just my name mm-hmm yeah, I think that's so powerful to think about the identity shift and where that pain comes from. Because I, I think you're right that those significant moments um, can cause quite downward spirals where people feel like they're losing identity. And I think, um, you know, divorce is uh, one of those examples where people who have almost become to define themselves as part of that relationship um and that, you know, their entire world operates around it and all their friend groups and so on, which is a common thing to happen after a significant period. Um, that's then very difficult to pull apart when you then say, well, who am I without them? And whether it's divorce or, you know, bereavement and losing that person um, and and having that disconnection. I think, I think it's interesting that you say that uh, as a result, have lots of them so that you're not too pinned to it because you can imagine someone who... Um, uh, I, I remember uh, talking to a coach who uh, we talked about the power of um, uh, describing yourselves in certain t- terms like I am someone who exercises every day or even I am an athlete helps you almost program your brain to be more likely to do exercise than you might otherwise if you say yeah I'm actually not very good at exercise or I'm someone who doesn't like exercise like that identity kind of shifts uh, how you think about something. But of course, the problem then is if you're like, I am an athlete or I'm an Olympic athlete, and then something significant happens, that means you can't be that anymore. It, it, it can pull away a lot. How do you feel about, because I was thinking about, like, how do I describe myself? And I, I think about the start of the podcast, every podcast, I introduce myself as a serial entrepreneur and uh, co-founder of Air Manual. And what's interesting about that is that those are both, things that I are things that can only really be taken away by me deciding. So for example, um, co-founder of Air Manual, whether I sell it, whether it closes, whatever, um, I can, I can always be the co-founder of Air Manual. It was something that I did rather than something that I'm continuing to do necessarily. And serial entrepreneur, again, like any business that fails, gets sold, whatever, I'm still a serial entrepreneur if I'm continuing to do that. I guess it would only stop if I decided I'm no longer going to start businesses. How do you feel about that as in you using definitions of your role and identity as things that either you've done in the past or things that you can choose to versus, as you say, just having a lot of them? Like, Is there a particular yeah. value in that or is it or perhaps not even that useful to get too hung up on it? No, well, it's, it's really interesting, right? So... The, what you said about the athlete piece mm. is why I think it's so important to have a North Star because th- there's a there's a model. So Robert Diltz is one of the, albeit he's an acknowledged most of the time, one of the original um, co-founders of neurolingu- neurolinguistic programming, NLP. And he created a model called neurological levels of change. 
And in neurological levels of change, and, and this is one of the things that I essentially help people do, I help them change. When most people are looking to change something in their life, they attempt to change it at behavior level. Right. So if you can imagine like a triangle and I'm going to explain it from top down. So you've got the levels and, and, and basically everything ripples down. So at the top in his model, you've got purpose. Then it's identity. Then it's values and beliefs. Then it's skills and capabilities. Then those skills and capabilities create behaviors and behaviors create the environment. Right. So. I don't use the term purpose in his model. I use North Star because if you have the identity of a, a, an athlete. And then you lose that. That does have a big impact. Whereas if you had the the identity, I'm continually always improving my health and fitness and doing it at optimal levels or whatever, however you might define the, the North Star in that way, then even if for whatever reason you lost the term identity or professional athlete or whatever else, you can still do that without having the term identity. So that, that's an, an, an aside. But when that, that's a really powerful model if you want to create change, because when I'm creating change with people, I don't even bother in most instances faffing around with behavior level i will go straight to north star or identity because i know that if i change it there it will change everything else so a, a quick example of this is about eight years ago seven eight years ago i did a charity boxing match right my cousin unfortunately died of cancer i wanted to raise some money for the the um the hospice that she was in that was my purpose right so i wanted to raise money for the charity then i took on the identity i am a boxer then the values that I had of that in terms of what I was going to do, my values and beliefs around boxing, I'm going to win and, and, and various other values. Then it was my skills and capabilities. So I had to learn to, but because I admitted I am a boxer, then I had the skills to be able to box. But if I said, I'm not a boxer, then when they're doing all the, trying to teach me all the paperwork, I, bet I can't do this because I'm not a boxer, yeah. right? Then there was the the behaviors, which is obviously throwing the punches, doing things. Then there was the environment, turning up, turning to the gyms, going running in the morning, doing all these things that I took on because I had the identity of I'm, I'm a boxer. Now, in answer to your question, and, and this is a, a real personal thing, is that for years I used the terms, so I've, I've always been really entrepreneurial. And um, I, 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 I suppose I, I, at the time, I suppose I just would have said, if I think back to my teens, I like making money. You know, I wouldn't have put myself, I wouldn't even said I'm an entrepreneur. I, wouldn't say, I, just, I like making money, which for me is more of just a, um, anyway. But then I, I for years, I, I, I used the term, I'm a mindset strategist, mm -hmm. right? And what was really interesting was my creativity, my entrepreneurial creativity got stifled. I wasn't going and starting new businesses. I wasn't doing things mm. because I was in my head. What a mindset strategist does is coaches clients, speaks at events, does this, does that. So I wouldn't, I, I'd put myself in a box, right? Whereas then when all of a sudden I started expanding that. So yeah, I am an entrepreneur and I am a business strategist and performance coach and I am um, author, speaker, whatever. All of a sudden I was allowing myself nice. to go and do the thing that I wanted to do. Love that. I think that's really insightful. Fantastic. Well, this has been an awf awesome uh, conversation and so valuable. Thank you so much, Will. Um, if there's just one thing that listeners could take away from this conversation, what would you want it to be? I mean, the the the, <laughs> the 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 obvious answer for me would be, guys, get clear on your north star. That that would be that. But there, because I, I do truly think it is 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 invaluable in in life but um it, that's obviously something we've spoken about but but as as a as a a parting message i suppose 
the thing that I, I would encourage everybody to to think about is um, what do you love? And um, and we haven't even spoken about it really on on this on this episode. But what what do you love and who do you love? And uh, and and do do the things that you love doing and um, spend time with the people that you love. Tell the people that you love that you love them and uh, and 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 use it as a, an opportunity. Use your North Star as an opportunity to make a difference to other people. So it not only benefits them but their family, their friends, their community, society, humanity, and the universe. Love it. Thank you, Will. And of course, for people who would like to learn more from Will, I highly recommend checking out his website at willpolston.com uh, and also check out his book, North Star Thinking, Master Your Mindset and a Life uh, and Live a Life You Love. Uh, do go check it out, get it. Uh, but otherwise, uh, thanks so much for listening to this episode. And if you're looking to free up your time, scale your business and reduce the distress, not the eustress in your business, uh, you'll get a lot of value by watching the recording of a masterclass that I ran on how to free up 15 hours per week and unlock growth. Uh, you can find out more and get access for free at airmanual.co forward slash webinar. Um, but otherwise, it's been fantastic talking to you, Will. Uh, it's uh, I really, really appreciate all your insights. Um, for, for everyone... Uh, listening to, uh, to this, um, perhaps uh, I don't know whether you know, uh, you can watch this podcast as a video on YouTube. Um, but uh, <laughs> so uh, do uh, do go do that. In fact, I recently exceeded like 10,000 views on the on the channel, um, which is awesome. But I noticed only a tiny percentage uh, of you are subscribed to the channel. So we really help, uh, really appreciate your help in getting over a thousand subscribers. It'll create opportunities for us to provide more awesome content for you, get Will back, dive in deeper, etc. Uh, so please uh, do go and do that. And I'd love to hear more from you on what you'd like from this podcast, what you'd like to see more of. Uh, so please do post in the comments or send me an email, alexis.kingsbury at emmanuel.co. Otherwise, thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Will, for, for joining me and everyone else. Until next time, have fun. <laughs>